Here is what you missed this morning on the Catholic Morning Show. Let's go to Father P.J. McManus, pastor of Christ the King. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Johnny. All right. We've got three questions in for Father P.J. to ask every Thursday. I'm bringing them up right now because for some reason I closed them down. Here it is. Question number one. What is the difference of authority between a bishop and the pope? So it's basically, or at least largely, uh, one of jurisdiction. So so um, uh, bishops and priests, actually, uh, have both power and uh, at least potentially have jurisdiction. So, so, so power refers to, like, the, the capacity to perform particular actions. So this would be things like celebrate Mass, absolve sins, um, uh, uh, heal, anoint, and, and, and forgive the sick, right? It would, be, it would be stuff like that, but like on our own, like on my own, P.J. McManus has no capacity to say to John Leonetti, I forgive you all of your sins. I might be able to say I forgive you for denting my car, hmm. but I certainly can't say I forgive you for denting Deacon Marks. Sure. Because <laughs> it's not my car, yep. right? Yep. But as a priest, I do have authority and power given by God uh, to absolve sins. Uh, in Christ's name, and so, 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 bishops and popes um, have what's called jurisdiction, and pastors uh, and religious superiors have jurisdiction too, and that would be less sort of a, 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 a sacramental capacity, and more like a, a jurisdictional authority. Right. So it's the ability to regulate and govern the church that's uh, that's in their care. Um, so the the, the most common one that most of us would run into here this way would be um uh would be with marriage so so while it's true that the the partners of the, the parties to the marriage the man and the wife marry each other that happens within the context of the church and so it falls under the church's authority which means the pastor of the parish to which they belong um is the one that that can ultimately grant the permission for the marriage to happen or not. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason you're getting married outside of the parish where you live or, or, or who sort of claims you or whatever, then you need to get that guy's permission to get married someplace else, which is what all the paperwork uh, in pre-marriage stuff is about. Well, the same kind of thing is true, but on a, on a super level, for, um, for bishops. So the bishops have all the juridical authority for their whole diocese. They've got all of it. And they sort of meet it out, uh, portion it out, Principally to pastors by geography, and then also to certain other people, uh, you know, based on like particular uh, needs. So the Pope has jurisdiction over the whole church, um, and this is this is exercised or seen most clearly in the fact that he's the one involved in the appointing or unappointing of bishops. Um, but it's not it, it, it's not like the Pope. Um, the Pope has the authority to perform an eighth sacrament or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's nothing like that. It's really, um, it, 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 it's really a matter of giving to the local authority all the power that's necessary for them to run the local church, and giving to the universal authority, uh, giving to the, univer- the, the universal authority all that's all the power necessary to govern the universal church. So the Pope doesn't have to be in Des Moines, Iowa to have the authority over Des Moines, Iowa, uh, to, or uh, jurisdiction over Des Moines, Iowa, to, uh, to have it. He, he has it in Rome, the full breadth of, of the diocese. He has, it in, he has it in view of being the Bishop of Rome. Yeah. But the thing that's important here, and this is very difficult to talk about, it's much easier when I have a, a whiteboard to draw, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the Pope's principal function in the church outside of Rome, like in Rome, his principal function is his bishop, just like Bishop Jones's is here, right? Um, but the Pope's principal function in the, in the wider church is as the source of unity or the one who establishes communion between the churches. So we don't think about this very much, but like, if your pastor is sick this weekend, uh, yesterday, Father Rodrigo woke up and didn't feel well, so he called and said, can one of you come and celebrate the school mass at St. Anthony? So I went down and, and celebrated mass at St. Anthony. Now, we don't think about that, because that kind of thing happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So we have our pastor, the, the priest uh, assigned to our parish, and then if, if they happen to be gone, then somebody else fills in. Um, not all Christian communities have some sort of process like that. In fact, many don't. Um, and so, uh, so if the pastor's sick, um, maybe you don't have service that week, or somebody else just stands up and gives a talk, or something like that. But there's not an immediate connection that allows you to essentially pulpit swap and altar swap. Well, what allows that here in Des Moines is precisely that Bishop Johnson is in charge of all the Catholic churches, and so that all the priests whom he's given faculties or permission to, to celebrate the sacraments, um, uh, he's vetted, he's, he's the bond of communion here in Des Moines, which is why I am the pastor of Christ the King, but can celebrate Mass at St. Anthony. Well, the Bishop of Rome functions in a similar way with the rest of the Church. So he's the one that unites the bishop. So that, like, when I visit uh, Tanzania, which the parish does frequently, when I go to Tanzania, I, I did not and do not have a deep and person, personal connection with the Archbishop of Arusha. Bishop Johnson doesn't know the Bishop of Arusha, as far as I know. But they are both in communion with the Bishop of Rome. And that's why, when I go to Africa... I can function as a priest, because, because the authorities are in communion with each other. And that's the Pope's main job, is to ensure that the bishops stay in communion with each other. Very good. Very good, Father. Uh, second question comes in um, from a friend. She wants to know, what is the process of becoming a priest or a nun in the Church? Well, that depends, yeah. because um, there's no such thing, and this is really, really important, um, there's no such thing as a generic vocation. So there's no, there's no generic vocation to the priesthood. Everyone who is ordained a priest uh, or a deacon um, serves either a particular diocese or a religious community. There's not some third option. There's not, like, freelance priests wandering around. <laughs> or when they are, they're being disobedient. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, likewise, there's no generic vocation to religious life. There's no just blank sisters or blank brothers running around. Um, there, uh, th- th- there, there are only members of particular religious communities with their own identity and charism and, 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 and gifts and function in the church. And so, um, you know, the, 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 probably the, the, the quick and easy answer that she's looking for is, like, it usually takes between six and ten years, and there's, uh, th- there's uh, uh, as the length would indicate, a long and somewhat complex vetting process whereby a person isn't only educated but is shaped and really formed into the identity that they're, they're attempting to assume. And then there's a definite moment at the end, uh, either a, a perpetual or solemn profession for religious or ordination for clergy, that, that clearly marks a moment after which you're permanently uh, sort of stabilized or situated in the church. Um, and so, uh, so, so, so that's what it winds up looking like. But the idea basically is these identities are really, really important. They're really important not just for the individual but for the whole church. And so we're very careful in how we help uh, prepare 
form and shape people for those roles. Amen. Question number three. I've heard it said that some people can spend their purgatory on Earth. Is that true? Yeah, it's a real dumb thing, and I wish people would stop saying it. <laughs> um, it, it it's a profoundly dumb thing, and I know this is going to offend some people that are listening, and I really don't care. Like, in fact, if you're offended, I'm probably talking to you. Saying I'm spending my purgatory on Earth is... Uh, is something like saying, you know, I'm spending my root canal in the waiting room. Mm. Uh, like, both are painful, but they're simply not the same thing in the same place. So, so waiting rooms are tedious and annoying. I was in the waiting room of the ER with my dad most of yesterday. Mm. Uh, like, I, I, I get how painful that can be. It's not the same thing as having part of your tooth drilled out. Right. It's not the same thing. So, so here's how we know purgatory. you can't spend your purgatory here on Earth. Because the word purgatory refers to purgation after death. So unless you're a zombie, <laughs> you're not doing that on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Those words mean different things. So please use words properly. Yeah. What people are trying to say when they say things like, I think, she, I think she spent her purgatory here on Earth, is that poor person suffered so much on Earth and they seem to have been sanctified by their suffering. It made them better and not worse people. And so I reasonably hope that they may not have to spend a great deal of time in purgatory. Sure. Okay, that's a whole different thing. That's, a, that, that's very reasonable. Churches always said stuff like that. Yeah. But, the, but the problem with it is it allows people who fundamentally dislike the idea of purgatory to try and argue around it and then try and make you feel bad because their life's so hard yeah. that that just maybe I don't have to suffer after death? And the answer to that is no. You're a miserable, wretched sinner. How do I know this? Because I know you. Yeah. You're kind of annoying. You sin a lot. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're way worse to live with than you can possibly imagine. And, and because of that, stuff has to get worked out before you're able to go into the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that, that, that's why the Church's uh, teaching on purgatory is fundamentally one of mercy and not... And, and not uh, punishment, or even, or even ultimately justice in the strict sense. It's an act of mercy because it gives us that which we don't deserve, the ability to, the ability to be perfected before we go to meet God. Yeah, it, there can be some self-loathing that can happen, I think, for all of us, right? We can fall into that, or, you know, woe is me, and it can kind of just, you know, spiral down to, well, you know, the Lord, you know, look at my life. Uh, you know, I, I have it worse than everyone else, so, uh, you know, woe yeah, is me. Yeah, you didn't me. get nailed to a tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I, I understand why people do this. I face it every day. Believe me, on the South Side, I got plenty of suffering, angry people. I get it. Hmm. But, um, but, like, it's just not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, your suffering is not eternal. It is not infinite. And, and if you continue to attach yourself to this disposition, it's not going to do you any good. It's actually, it's actually causing you harm. <laughs> So, 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 like, what, what, what we're called to do is very, very clear. The whole epistolary literature of the New Testament is filled with this. We're called to accept our suffering graciously, the suffering that we can't avoid, and make that work for our good and that of other people. Hmm. So why, why would you deprive your dear friends and family members, who are also miserable wretches in need, of, in need of love and forgiveness, why would you deprive them of the graces you can give them by just suffering better? Wow, that's powerful to hear. My goodness. Father P.J. McManus. Would you give us your blessing? Sure. May the passion of the Lord Jesus and the merits and prayers of the Blessed Virgin and all the saints grant that whatever good you do or suffering you endure, heal you all your sins, help you grow in holiness, and bring you to lasting life. The Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father P.J. McManus, everyone. Listen to the Catholic Morning Show weekday mornings at 7 on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network, iowacatholicradio.com, or the Iowa Catholic Radio app.